Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Tim Harris, pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. Everybody good? Y'all good? On Facebook, on YouTube Live, in the cafe. Love you guys. In Perry, Oklahoma, Brian, Tina, Ahern, love you guys. Haven't said hello in a while, but you guys mean everything to us. God bless you all. I hope it is almost springtime in Oklahoma. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are in the middle of a message series entitled Growth Spurt. We're talking about how to get back on a growth track. 2020 stole a lot from our lives and honestly has taken quite a toll on the spiritual lives of many of us. And so we're looking at ways to get back on track, to recover a sense of spiritual forward movement and momentum. And for that reason, we are spending this time together. When we talk about spiritual growth and maturity here at Woodburn, we use an acronym, which is REFLECT, R-E-F-L-E-C-T. We've been walking through these one at a time, one week at a time. The first week we talked about the importance of relationship. Uh, a mature believer will love God and love others. Of course, this, the E is evangelism. Uh, healthy living things grow and uh, healthy living things multiply. And evangelism is that expression of our multiplying disciples, which is the Great Commission. F, fruit of the Spirit, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control, and that's not the end of the list. It goes on and on and on, the fruit that the Spirit will bear in the life of a mature believer. We talked last week about L, listening, the importance of listening for God's voice, being in the Word, being constantly in prayer, and fostering that relationship with the shepherd of our souls. Today, I want us to come to this second E, which is edification, kind of a weird, odd word that you'd probably only use in church. Say it, edification. Edification uh, literally means to build, like on a building, an edifice would, would be a, a part of a building. So we're talking about our responsibility to build in one another's lives, to build. The, the very language of building, of edification, suggests that there is a plan, a blueprint, and that the work unfolds over time. So we're talking about edification today. Let me start with this sentence and we'll jump into the word. The mature believer intentionally works to build others up in Christ, engaging personal gifts. We talk a lot about gifts today. Personal gifts, maintaining unity, practicing forgiveness, and controlling the tongue. All of these are New Testament principles that enable us to build one another up in Christ, to invest in one another's lives in such a way where all of us are, are growing. Let me say it again. Mature believer intentionally works to build others up. That's edification. To build others up in Christ, engaging personal gifts, maintaining unity, practicing forgiveness, and controlling the tongue. Now, this particular principle becomes very important for the large number of you that are still worshiping from home, and I know why you're there, and I support your being there, but I just want to challenge you. You still have to be growing in Christ, and all of us together still have to be all about the work of edification. We have to build one another up, and it's very, very hard to build others up in Christ when you're home on your couch participating in worship virtually. I know why you're there, and I support your being there. I understand we're in a pandemic, but still, your spiritual life can't be put on hold. And so the real challenge is not that, I mean, we all know that you can stay home and hear a sermon. You could sit there on that couch all day long, and you could do nothing but listen to sermons all day long today because every preacher in America is now a televangelist on Facebook. 
It's just how it works. But just being there and hearing sermons is not the extent of your relationship to Christ and your responsibility to grow. Does that make sense? So when you're at home, you've got to figure out how you're going to continue to engage with other believers, how you're going to intentionally build others up because mature believers do that and growing believers continue to grow in this grace of edification. So with that, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and read about spiritual gifts and then we'll go from there. Again, there are many ways that we build one another up, but primarily in Scripture, Paul spends a lot of time talking about the importance of spiritual gifts. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, uh, so go with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just 11 verses. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, that's a New Living Translation for spiritual gifts, the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. Verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Why don't you underline that? A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. It's the clearest, simplest definition I could possibly give you. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what's being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. We'll stop there. Let's talk about that. In, in all of these categories of growth uh, in Reflect, and we've, we're over halfway through them now, this is the one that I'm, I'm excited to talk about because I know that this absolutely fits the spirit of our church. I, I'm talking to people who want to engage with one another. You want to help other people more than anything in the world. I, I, I know our folks. You, you love each other. You love the world and you just love your neighbors and you want to feel like you're making a difference. You want to feel like you're serving. However, even though we all want to and it is our heart, we often fall short in this very area. In this area right here, edification. It may be our heart, it may be exactly what we want to do, but I think there's frustration. When Paul talks about spiritual gifts in the New Testament, he says there are two pitfalls or two dangers. The first one he leads off with here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Regarding spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. That's literally what he says. I don't want you to be ignorant. So the first you know, flaw or shortcoming is that when it comes to spiritual gifts, we're, we're just ignorant. 
We don't know enough. We don't know enough about our own gifts, about what the Spirit's doing in our lives and how the Spirit works through us in other lives. We're we're just ignorant. We don't know enough about how spiritual gifts work. So that's the first pitfall. And I would say some of us would, would say that we fall in that category. We don't feel like we know enough. We don't feel like we know what our gift is. We don't feel like we know what other people's gifts are, and we're not sure that spiritual gifts are working in in, in our church. So that first problem is that we're ignorant. We we don't quite know enough. The second one is the one that Paul mentions to young man Timothy in one of the letters to Timothy when Paul says, I don't want you to neglect your gift. So there are two two ways you can fall off here. Either you're ignorant about gifts or you neglect the gift that you've been given. You, You must not neglect the gift you've been given. Whatever it is that the Spirit has given you, whatever it is that he's put inside you, you cannot neglect it. You have to make sure that you're using it, that it's growing and multiplying and being used by the Spirit to bless others. So what in the world is a spiritual gift? I've been in the church 55 years my whole life. Some of you have been at this longer than I have, your whole life. And at the same time, you would still say, I I don't really know what spiritual gifts are. I don't know what my gift is. Let's talk about it. Can I just say, first off, this is not America's Got Talent or, or Woodburn's Got Talent. So often when it comes to spiritual gifts, you're, you're trying to think about something you might do up on the stage like America's Got Talent, like Woodburn's Got Talent, like something you might do where people would, would, would praise you or, or, and it's not that you're seeking the spotlight, it's just that's what you think of, you know, preaching or singing or any of the amazing people who are on this stage and they displaying their gifts. These are their gifts. Becca on that fiddle's amazing. I mean, she's just amazing. That is a gift. And she brought something of God's grace to worship today, and it was beautiful. But some of you are never going to be fiddlers. Like, you know, you can't even, like, play your own, you know, radio. I mean, you don't play anything. And so we often feel like if we don't have a, a marketable gift, some sort of talent, that we're left out of the whole spiritual gift conversation. And you're missing it. Because most of us don't have the gifts that, that land on the stage, that land on the, on the altar here. That's not really what most spiritual gifts are like. So understand that. Most spiritual gifts look less like some sort of amazing talent and more like somebody who really just loves the Lord and loves people living their life and doing their thing. And I would even go so far as to say with most spiritual gifts, I don't even know if there's a name for it. I don't even know if there's a name for what some of you do, but it's so valuable in the body of Christ. Now, the word that we're translating here, the word that the New Living translates special abilities the Spirit gives us, the word, the Greek word is charismata, charismata. And that first part of that word, charism, it comes from the Greek word for grace. And so the word literally means grace gifts, grace gifts. It's an amazing kind of word that would only, only work in the church. Here's what I want you to understand. A grace gift We're talking about grace. So a part of the grace that you receive through Christ comes in the form of a spiritual job. I'm going to use the word job because gift freaks people out. When I say gift, like I say, you go to talent and you start thinking about, you know, well, maybe I can learn to play the musical saw. You know, you're just trying to think of something you could do to perform, but it's really not about performing at all. Most of the gifts really look more like just a spiritual job. 
So it's a spiritual job assigned you by the Holy Spirit for the good of others. Does it make sense? I've told you this before. I would prefer that we use functional language because I think Scripture prefers functional language. A spiritual gift does not elevate your status in the church. It doesn't make you somehow more important. My spiritual gifts as pastor are not more important than your spiritual gifts. And my role as pastor doesn't make me more important. I'm not the number one member. I'm not the person who has the greatest influence or anything like that. I know I've got the biggest mouth and nose. I mean, these are my you know, superlatives in the church, but I'm not more important than anybody else. We are all members of the body of Christ, and I don't think we could possibly begin to rank. I don't think it works that way. Incidentally, that's why you know, we're not one of those churches that has a parking place reserved for the pastor. Like, what's that all about? You know, I'm not the president of nothing. I'm just another church member, and right now what I'm doing is engaging my gifts for the good of everybody else. But my gifts, while they may be more visible, it doesn't make them more important. And for that matter, maybe not even more influential. Some of you are leaving a greater mark on other people than I ever will. Because that's how the spirit works. It makes sense, you understand? So it's not so much this, this talent, it's not so much a performance. Think of it more like a spiritual job. You got some work to do. Edification is a verb, it's, it's a work word, and it has to do with building. So all of us together are building, building each other up in Christ. This is our purpose, this is what the church is. Make sense? I, I love how this works, I absolutely love how this works. Because the way this works is that in some ways we don't even always know when, when our gifts are operating or, or, or even some of us who don't even know what our gifts are, we're some of the very ones that the Spirit will use in the biggest ways. I was this past summer counseling a, a couple that were getting married. They were in their mid-twenties and the bride grew up in our church. Um, she's, so she was probably 25 years old, 25-year-old young woman. <clears throat> In premarital counseling, one of the things I'll frequently ask is, you know, growing up, who loved you? Who loved you? Because I want to sort of get a sense of love language. I want to get a sense of how the person has learned to love and, and, and expresses and is shown love. So I always ask, who, you know, who loved you? And, and usually I'm going to get, you know, answers like, well, my mother loved me. My grandma really loved me. My dad, I've always been a daddy's girl, that, that sort of thing. You're going to hear about family. And this young woman grew up in a very loving family, talked about her family. But you know the first thing she said? I said, growing up, who loved you? She said, Miss Deanne and Miss Casey. I said, my Casey? Like my wife, my Casey? You know, and Deanne McElroy, Casey and Deanne uh, taught Casey still teaches kindergarten here in our Sunday school. Casey and Deanne taught for years and years together in the kindergarten class of, of our Sunday school. This is a 25-year-old woman saying that in her life, in her whole life, among those who loved her the most were her kindergarten Sunday school teachers, like when she was four or five. I think that's pretty remarkable. I think it's remarkable. Now, incidentally, those of you parents who don't make it a priority to bring your, your children into small groups here at the church, that's what you're missing right there. That's what you're missing. 
You know, your kids really need to grow up having Carol Riggenbach take care of them on Sunday morning. It is a blessing and it is a grace gift. It's a part of the grace that we're receiving through Christ. It comes to us kind of wrapped up in the lives of other people. So this is how it works. And, and I don't know how many times Miss Casey and Miss Deanne got to stand on this stage, but you understand that's beside the point. Most gifts are not exercised on this stage in that spotlight. They're exercised in all the other places where we as brothers and sisters in Christ begin to rub up against each other in our lives. So th this is how it works. I think it's just amazing. Now, I'm a morning runner. I run not every single morning, but about every other day I go at about 5.30 in the morning for my run. This is why I hate winter. Y'all know this, right? Uh, you know, tomorrow morning is supposed to be 30 degrees with a wind chill of 20 at 5.30 in the morning. And I, I will, Lord willing, be out there. But the thing about running early in the morning is that it's dark, very dark. When I first leave, I have to go to my lane. I have to go through the woods, and I can't see anything. Like, if I hadn't memorized where the road is, I'd be running into trees. Like, I can't see anything. But the thing is, in certain times of the year, when I'm running through those woods, I will run through spider webs. Like, you can't see them, but they just, you, you guys do this when you mow, it's the same thing. All of a sudden, you're just like, this web just like, ooh, comes across your face. And then all you can think about is just like, you know, trying to get this web off of you, but you just can't. It's across your face, it's in your beard, and then it's between your fingers, and you're just trying to get this spider web off. Now, I said that's all you can think about. The other thing I'm thinking about is, where is that spider? Exactly, where is that, you know, the spider? You know, I, I need to figure out where the spider is too. So I'll be running down the road, you know, trying to get this spider web off. The spider web is just the, the most difficult thing to get off of your body. Do you know why? Because that spider's web is actually one of the strongest materials on earth. Now, the spider makes it, and it's, it's nearly invisible to your eye. But if you get it on you, you understand this is a very, very, very difficult material. In some ways, it's stronger than steel. As a matter of fact, if a spider could make a web the thickness of a pencil, that single strand would support a fully loaded Boeing jet. Understand? That's the strength in that Tiny web that, that, that's barely visible. Now, if there's anything stronger than that web, I would say it's the web of connection that unites us. It's likewise invisible. I don't always know exactly how all of our lives are connected, but yet our lives are connected in ways that we can hardly understand because it's spiritual. We are the body of Christ, and speaking to the Woodburn Baptist Church family today, I mean, the Holy Spirit has brought us together in one another's lives. It's no accident that you're here. It's no accident that you're in this body of Christ. It's, it's intentional. The Holy Spirit has brought us together, and he has put exactly the people in this church that is necessary, that we need to fulfill all of God's purposes for our church's life. Anybody sitting here, it's not accidental. Anybody who will join, it's not accidental. I fully believe that the Spirit brings people to us. He brings people to this church family, and you've been brought into this church family. And when you're brought into the family, we become connected. 
Now, what exactly connects us? What connects you to me? Well, we would say the Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit in me that is in you, and for that reason, we're connected. There's something in me that resonates with with something or someone in you. It's the Holy Spirit. But speaking practically, what connects us honestly is our gifts, our needs. Understand this. Our gifts connect us since all of our needs are perfectly matched by all of our gifts. Now, I'm not saying that I got all the needs and I got all the gifts. You understand what this sentence means? All of our needs. In other words, we all got needs. I have needs. I I am not perfect in myself. I was never created to be independent. You weren't either. We were never intended to live a life without other people. We're all created for Christ, for the Holy Spirit, and we're created to live in, in the body of Christ. We're created for this connection. So that's why there's really no freelance, independent Christian life. It's the person who says, you know, I don't need to go to church. I feel close to God right here at my home by myself. This is what I'm telling you. It doesn't work that way. I'm not saying you can't go to heaven, but I'm telling you, you can never grow and experience everything that the Holy Spirit has for you in this life because you are created for connection. You're created to live in the body of Christ and in interaction with fellow believers. This is just how it works. This is how all of this works. So I have needs. You have needs. We have different needs. But here's the thing. What it is that I need, the Holy Spirit wrapped up in you. That's why I need you. And actually, you need me. Because you can't really fulfill your purpose in the body of Christ unless you find me because your gift is the answer to my need. Does it make sense? And this is how it works all the way around this room, all the way across this congregation. All of our needs are perfectly matched by all of our gifts. I think it's kind of fun. Because the Holy Spirit, it's not really a secret. It's not that he hides things. But you don't necessarily always know who it is that's going to answer the deepest need in your heart. You don't always know. Now, you may just seem to like more people. And sometimes we you know, make closer friends in the body of Christ. But you don't always know who the Spirit's going to use. We all need everybody. We all need everybody all the time. Now... Paul gives a list of gifts here. He says, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. I've definitely had people through the years in this church give me wise advice. There are definitely men and women of God who have such wisdom, and I have grown so much. Y'all remember, my family moved to Woodburn Baptist Church when I was a teenager. So I was a member of this church long before I was a leader in this church. So I've... Most of my life's been in this church. And so when I preach about discipleship to this congregation, you all discipled me. I know that. And I know that through the years, I've grown much, much wiser by hearing advice from brothers like Jack Wright. I mean, Jack Wright has helped me so much. I am a better man because of Jack Wright through the years. I mean, just through the years. And it's not like in moments where Jack said, when Jack woke up and thought, I'm going to be wise today. Today today is going to be a wise day. No, it's just we we are in church together over years, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, month after month, year after year. And 
there's an amazing way in which he influences my life. Y'all know what I'm talking about? One person, the Spirit gives a book to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge, a word of knowledge. Uh, Jill Willingham, probably 25 years ago, in a moment she would never even remember, Jill Willingham gave a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. I don't think she would have ever called it that, but that's what Paul would call it, and that's what I would call it. We were in a meeting uh, before Sunday night church uh, with a small group, and Jill just said something so incredibly wise that I've carried through my whole life. Like That was a word I needed to hear, Jill. It was a word of knowledge, and, and Jill didn't say, I got, I'm going to have a word of knowledge for Pastor Tim that he's going to carry through his whole life. She didn't come out, she probably, you know, like the rest of us, you know, forgot the meeting, drove fast to get here, showed up, you know, and, and the Spirit, when we show up, the Spirit shows up and amazing things can happen. Amen. See, it's a list. Spirit gives great faith to another, and there are definitely people in this church, actually, I'm sometimes embarrassed as pastor because I feel like nearly everybody in this church has greater faith than I do. I'll step into a deacon's meeting like, I'm going to challenge these men with, a, with, with this, you know, some big step of faith that I think God's asking us to do. And about the time I say, I think we should go to here, one of our guys will say, why don't we just go to here? And I'm like, what? Let's don't. You know, I mean, there are always, you know, people in this church with, with greater faith than I, I have faith, make no mistake, but I'm just saying that I need the larger faith, the bigger faith, the bolder faith that God has put in in some of you. You make me better, you make my faith bigger, you make my faith stronger. Paul gives a list here, and like Warren said, we have two spiritual gift inventories. You have to do them both, but you can pick one. I've Put them in the live event today, so find those. But I always want you to remember that there is no list of the gifts that would ever be exhaustive. There's no way to name all the gifts. And I would go so far as to say that most of the gifts probably don't even have names. Sheila Brown in our congregation, if y'all are blessed to know her the way I know her, I don't know what the word is for what she brings, but I know that a part of the grace that I am receiving through Jesus Christ comes to me through the person of Sheila Brown. I, I love her so much. She is um, the most pure-hearted woman I'll ever know. You don't know what I'm talking about? Now, I, again, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the word would be. Stephen's the same way, y'all. Uh, I don't know what the word... I don't know what the word is for Stephen's gift, but I just know that I'm a better man. I'm a better man for having Stephen Ham as my brother. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I don't know that there's a word for it, but I love the gift. The part of the grace that God gives our church through Stephen Ham, I think, is something we can never overestimate. It's just beautiful, Stephen. Uh, you're encouraging to me. Um, Stephen's ever, he's either all in or all out with me, one or the other. You, you watch him. Sometimes I'm preaching Stephen and you'll be down there like, ooh, like he's re-preaching it with, with, with a little more fire. If you ever watch him, boom, boom, boom. And then some days, you know, I just, it ain't happening, is it? Yeah, and that's okay too. It's all right. Um, I love you, Stephen. Uh, you're, you're a dear brother to me. As I say, I, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm a better man. I pray I'm a better man. 
Warren Weeks, um, working with Warren every day, I, I'm, I, am a, I am more like Christ, I pray, because Warren is so much like Christ. Um, and I could just go through the list f- forever. Um, I've learned generosity from men like Jimmy White. Jimmy's very generous. Jimmy will buy you lunch, but he'll make you drink water. So it's really kind of strange. <laughs> it's generosity mixed with something else, but he'll buy you lunch and then make you drink water. Um, I love Jimmy. I've learned generosity from Jimmy and Jonial Balance. I mean, seriously, I've just, those men through my life have been so generous to me. And I've seen so much of Christ in that. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? I mean, preachers come and go. I've been here 25 years. I guess I, I now have some sort of record, but I won't be here forever. I mean, I mean, you know, I think I'll make it through the end of this sermon. But, but you are the body of Christ. We're all of us together. And so part of what I need is locked up in you, and part of what you need is locked up in me, and the Spirit brings us together, and it really is kind of a beautiful thing. Now, I'll be honest, in, in praying through this sermon and thinking about how this would, would preach with this congregation, with you all, um, I, th- I think what the Lord was just showing me was that our, our problem is not that we don't want to share gifts. We all do. Everybody that I know of in this church, everybody wants to help everybody else. You're, you're those people. You know, Tracy Esther would give you a kidney out of his body, and all of us would give you anything that you need. So as I say, we're connected because our needs are all perfectly matched by our gifts, and we all want to use our gifts, but nobody wants to have needs. And I think this is where, this is where as a church, we begin to fall apart when it comes to spiritual gifts. Because gifts answer needs. As I say, gifts aren't for show. This is not a show. And so gifts aren't just a performance. A a gift, a spiritual gift, is always going to answer a need because ministry happens when needs are met. You with me? So a gift always answers a need. And so the problem is we have a whole lot of very gifted people. We have a lot of people with a lot of gifts, but none of us ever wants to be needy. And this is where we get into trouble. Because when I refuse to to have a need, when I refuse to ask for help, when I refuse in any way to be anything other than independent and needing nobody, then what I'm doing is robbing you of your opportunity to exercise what the Spirit has placed away in you for me. Do you see that? I'm robbing you of that. And you're doing the same thing for me. When we just insist on coming in and living our lives like we don't need anybody, you think that's a good idea, but you're destroying the very fabric of the congregation the way we are intended to serve one another. You can't always be the one that's helping somebody else. You need help too. And it actually is a part of the grace that Jesus gives you is in that ability to ask for help, to need help, to let other people speak into your life, to let other people do for you. I mean, this is how this works. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Do you understand why it's a congregation that it's not so much that we don't always recognize our gifts, it's that we don't share our needs. I, I think this is really where our congregation falls apart here. Our gifts connect us since all our needs are perfectly matched by all of our gifts. So the passage here, Paul is actually answering a question. 
Because he says, now, brothers and sisters, regarding that question about spiritual gifts. So it's like Jeopardy, right? It's like Jeopardy. Because we have the answer, but we don't have a question. So what's the question? Again, like Jeopardy, you got to sort of read the answer and then and find your way back to the question. Obviously, if you read the passage that we've read today, the question is probably regarding the gift of tongues, what New Living says, speaking in unknown languages, other languages. But, but the real question seems to be, which gift is most important? Should everybody speak in tongues is probably the question they're asking. Is tongues the greatest gift, the most important gift? And what Paul is clearly saying here is, is, is no. There is no gift that's more important than any other gift. A spiritual gift is given to us so we can help each other. So which gift is most important? Well, it depends on what you need at the moment and, and, and who needs the help. I mean, you understand? It's impossible to say which gift is most important. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. Another, the, the, a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives one gift to another. And to someone else, the, the gift of healing. One person, the power to perform miracles. Gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or another Spirit. It's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift that each one should have. So do you understand? There are different kinds of jobs. Jobs, we're using the word jobs here, but we all work for God. Different kinds of jobs, but it doesn't really matter. We can't say that one job matters more. You can't say that the preacher matters more than whoever it is in the back wing of this church changing your baby's diapers right now. You can't say which gift is more important, but I think the person with the full diaper would have an opinion. I mean, you understand? The gift that's most important would, would, would depend upon your need, your particular need. All, all kinds of different jobs, all kinds of gifts, but it's the same spirit. We all work for God. We all work for God. So here's the thing. All through salvation history, all through the Bible, whenever there is a, a need, whenever there's a need, God has always answered that with a person, with a person. So for example, back in the Exodus when the children of Israel had a slavery problem, God sent Moses. Understand how that works? And when the children of Israel had a giant problem, a Goliath problem, right? They sent who? God sent David. Yeah, when there is a problem, when there is a need, God sends a person. When there was, you know, a, a genocide problem, when the children of Israel were in Persia, God sends Esther. This is how this works. When there was a sin problem in the whole world, God sent his son Jesus. Do you understand? This is how it works. God sends a person. When there is a need in the body of Christ, God answers it with a person. God always answers it with, with a person. So what you have to understand is that you, you really may be the only answer to a prayer or to a need that somebody else in this church has. You may be the only answer because God sent you. And you're not performing your gift. You're not engaging with other people. I mean, that's just not even a part of how we figure here. 
Somebody in this church has a need and you are the answer to that. You are the encourager. You are the one sent here to build up that person in that way. And that's why for you, it is not an option just to warm a pew, just to stay at home and watch church online for your whole life. That's not how any of this works. We, are half, we engage with one another. And the deepest need in someone's life is locked up in you. And I, again, I say, I don't always know what your gift is. I don't know what I would call it. But all I know is you, you got to just show up. You just show up. You show up in the spirit. You, you show up ready to help others or ready to think about other people. And the spirit will use you. You just show up. You just keep showing up. Man, one of the lowest days of my life, and, and y'all got to know I'm really stubborn, and, and most of what I'm preaching today about like letting people help you, I don't practice that, and y'all, God help me, y'all help me. I don't like to be helped. I love to help people. Like, I want to help you all. I always want to be the guy on the helping side. I don't like to be helped, you know? I don't like to be vulnerable. I don't like to have a need. So I've told y'all this story because it's, it's just such an important moment in my life. But it was a really, really bad day. Was, Casey and I had a series of miscarriages. Casey was in the hospital having a, a DNC after a miscarriage. It was awful. It was awful. Awful day for us. And I didn't tell anybody. I, I was pastor at this church. And I didn't tell a soul because I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. So I just went to the hot, drove Casey to the hospital, and my plan was just to sit there and, and do that by myself. And, uh, and, and God sent Barbara White, y'all. I mean, she didn't know I was there. She didn't know. It. I came down the elevator, the door opened, and Barbara White, it's like God dropped her out of heaven. Boom, she's standing right at the elevator. And she said, what are you doing? I said, what are you doing? She said, I asked you. I said, well, we've had another miscarriage. And Barbara said, oh, I'm so sorry. And she sat with me all morning. And it was like hours later when I said, Barbara, how did you know? And she said, oh, and I didn't know. My aunt's in the hospital here. I was coming to visit my aunt. But understand, when there's a need, God just answers it with a person. It's how it works when we love Christ and we love each other. It's just how it works. And I, I don't know how hung up you should get over, you know, trying to name your gift. It, again, it's helpful. But some gifts may not have names. Because some needs don't really have names. I don't always know exactly what I need. But, but man, sometimes the Lord answers it with a, the very person I need in my life. And can I just say, you are the people I need in my life. You're the people I need in my life, and I love you so much. You've built me up in so many ways. You have listened me into being a better preacher. Every Sunday, you listen better than I preach. Every single Sunday, and you make me better. So I just want to encourage you, when it comes to your own spiritual growth, you just really got to learn how to be about other people. You got to think about other people. And when it comes to gifts, I, I don't know exactly how to help you find yours. Again, they're inventories. We've got two available for you today. I encourage you to look at those. But I think sometimes when you try to focus on yourself and your gift, you're going to miss it. 
It's too hard to name. So, so I would encourage you to do this. Why don't you start with the needs of others? It is hard sometimes to see my gift, but if I love people and if I let Jesus guide me, I'll see your need. And you can look around you right now and you know that there are people who need encouragement or just who, who need you to show up. And so rather than always trying to focus on what might make you special, just try to figure out what are the needs of people in this church, around you? Where are their needs? And then you just do whatever you can to help somebody. Because what Paul says right there in the plainest language ever is in verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So you just look. You keep your eyes open. You ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see. And you just keep your eyes open for somebody who needs something. Whatever it is. And you do whatever you can to help them. I don't know that it's any more complicated than that. Paul says when it comes to spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be ignorant. <laughs> I also don't want you to, to neglect your own. Because what happens when you neglect your spiritual gift is that somebody needs you. And you're not there. We need one another. I, I, I need you. There's something that we all need that the Holy Spirit has locked up in you. And, and that, my friends, is what we would call your spiritual gift. Learn to use it for the sake of others in the name of Jesus in the life of this church. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you so much for this church family. I thank you for the men and women of such big faith and wisdom and knowledge. But, Lord, more than that, all of the ways, Sunday after Sunday, week after week, Lord Jesus, that you have used this church to turn me into the man that you want me to be. I'm not there yet, Lord. I'm not exactly the man that I need to be. But I thank you, Lord, for the brothers and sisters around me who continue to make me want to be better. Thank you, Lord, for those in this room today. I pray, Lord, that uh, each of us, Lord, will come with our own needs and that we will learn not to be so proud and so determined to make it without other people, to make it without anybody's help. Help us, Lord, to open our lives to one another in wonderful ways so that we can love and be loved and serve and be served and help and be helped. And in doing all of this, Lord, grow more and more like you and more and more in love with each other and more and more to resemble the very nature of Jesus in whose name we pray, amen.